you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Thanks for tuning in to Abiding in Christ. On the program today, we have the conclusion of a segment that we began last time. Our hope is that you'll find it challenging and informative and that you'll listen to it with the knowledge that you can have full confidence in Christ, trusting Him as Savior and Lord. We also ask that as you listen, you prayerfully consider coming alongside Wares Valley Ranch and supporting this ministry to children in crisis through a tax-deductible donation. To find out more about how you can help, call us at 866-41-ABIDE or visit us online at wvr.org. Again, thanks for listening, and now we join the broadcast. That's the book of Deuteronomy. It's reminding them of what they've already been given, because what they were given was a treasure. So as we go through these commandments, let's remember that God is reminding us of a good gift that he gave us. In chapter 5, which we've already read, he says in verse 1, listen, learn and follow them carefully. Okay? Listen, learn and follow them carefully. The Lord our God made a covenant with us, verse 2. Now, that's important because this isn't just a set of rules. This is grounded in a relationship with the Creator. God wanted to be in a relationship with people where He says, you do this, and I'll do this. I have done this, now I want you to do this. The Lord our God, verse 2 of chapter 5, made a covenant with us at Horeb. Verse 4, the Lord spoke to you face to face from the fire on the mountain. This isn't just somebody said so. You heard this, people. God spoke to us, and he said, and now we get the Ten Commandments. Beginning in verse 6, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. The first commandment has everything to do with that relationship. This is to be like a marriage. It is exclusive. When I married my wife, I didn't take her to be one of my wives. Part of the vows that we took before God and man was forsaking all others, keep thee only unto her. Forsaking all others, keep thee only unto him. 
our commitment to each other was not just unusual in our relationships, it was unique. There's nobody else for me, and there's nobody else for her. It's an exclusive relationship, and it is that way by God's design in order to be a picture of his relationship with his people. So, God says, as you move into these areas where just as in Egypt, people worship various things that aren't really God, you're not to have any other God besides me. I'm it. The second command is don't make an idol for yourself in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Don't bow in worship to them and do not serve them because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's iniquity to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Well, isn't that the same as the first? No, not exactly. The first commandment says you're not to have any other gods. The second is you're not to try and make something that for you is what God is like. What's the problem with the book, The Shack? The problem is it is a blasphemous remaking of what God is. God isn't like the God in the shack. He's not. Even though tons of evangelicals read that and said, oh, I feel so much better now. Okay? A generation before it was Rabbi Kushner who wrote a book that tons of church people thought is just wonderful when bad things happen to good people. And it explained that God would really love to help, but you know, he's just, it's not much he can do. You know, it, God does love you. He does care about you, but his hands are tied, you know? It's just too bad. And tons of people who called themselves evangelical Bible-believing Christians read Kushner's book and said, oh, this is really helpful. You ought to read this. Why? Well, it'll make you feel better. Because it'll let you know God's on your side. He's just, he's, he's doing the best he can. That's blasphemy. But there are people who make things, there were in Israel, those who made the graven image and bowed down to it because they wanted something visible, something tangible. You may notice we don't have any bones of St. Peter or St. Andrew in the foyer inside a case covered with glass, thick glass, bulletproof glass, <laughs> so that you can't be inspired to worship. Do you remember in the Old Testament a man by the name of Gideon who was used by God in such a powerful way, it was wonderful, and they took his ephod, his little apron, and they made it an idol. God says you're not to have any other gods, and God says you're not to make an image so that you've got something tangible that can represent God to you. Don't do that with your Bible. Don't do that with a little cross. 
Don't do it with the Ten Commandments. When the authorities came to take away the Ten Commandments from the courthouse in Alabama, one of the protesters who was there to try and stop the authorities from taking away the, the Ten Commandments plaque literally said on national television, because they were covering it live, this guy literally said, not Judge Moore, he didn't say this, one of the nincompoops who was trying to stand up for the Ten Commandments said, get your hands off my God. It's like, buddy, did you read the Ten Commandments? It specifically forbids that very attitude. If you think that a stone copy of the Ten Commandments is your God, you don't know what the Ten Commandments are about. No idols. Don't make anything an idol. Don't do that. So, verse 11. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Okay, that means don't use it carelessly. Also means don't use it dishonestly. There are people who carelessly use the Lord's name, and that is wrong. But there are also people who deliberately invoke God trying to say, well, the Lord says this, or the Lord wants me to do that, or the Lord wouldn't want you to do this. And they're just trying to impose their will on others using God's name for authority. That is taking his name in vain. If I handed you my credit card and I said, uh, would you please take my car and fill it up with gas for me because I have to go on a trip this afternoon and I'd appreciate it if you'd do so. And so you took my card, went to the gas station and uh, paid for the gas and brought my car back to me. That would not be misusing my name. You're not pretending to be me. You are invoking my name to do something that I have asked you to do. Is that clear? But if I asked you to take my card and my car and go fill it up with gas and you decided instead that you would like to go to northern Michigan on my dime, okay, that is taking my name in vain. You are misusing my name to do your will. Jesus was very, very careful. And he said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood is listener supported. If you would like to help, please get a pen and paper so that I can give you our contact information. You can make a difference in the lives of those who hear this message and the lives of children at Wears Valley Ranch. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. Please visit us online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. Or send in a donation to Wares Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. That's Wares Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. 
to step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. Verse 12, be careful to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or, or donkey, any of your livestock or the resident alien who lives within your city gates so that your male and female slaves may rest as you do. Please hear that. The goal here was not to imprison you in your house. The goal was so that one day out of the week, everybody lived like a king. If you were a slave, you still had the day off. Your master couldn't say to you, go and do that for me. Go and get this for me. Come here, I need you to do this. Not on the Sabbath. One day a week, whether you were young or old, rich or poor, master or slave, everybody had the day off. Everybody had the day off. If I say to one of my employees, look, you know, you work hard. If, if you want to take a day off next week, you can, you can do that. Then it's like, well, you know, but should I? I've got so much work I've got to do. I don't know if I really should. But if I say to my employee, look, I don't want to see you on Monday, okay? I want you to rest. That's an order. And it's like, oh, okay, I have to. I have to take the day off. God gave everybody one day off out of every seven and said, I insist. And it specifically identifies so that the slaves can have time off, and then it emphasizes that more. Verse 15, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why... The Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What does it say? He says, that's the purpose. It's not just for you, it's for everybody. I want everybody to have a day off. Truett Cathy, God bless him, now in heaven, sells more chicken in six days at a smaller number of locations than any other chicken company, including KFC, which has more restaurants and is open seven days a week, with the favorite day for buying chicken being Sunday. Truett Cathy believed it was important for all of his employees not just to have a day off, but to have Sunday off. And when he built his business model on having locations in malls around the southeast, the people who ran the malls decided after a while that they could make more money if they were open on Sundays. And so they told Truett that when the leases were being renewed, he was going to have to agree to being open on Sunday like everybody else because all the stores in the mall had to be open on Sundays now. Okay? Couldn't have a day off. Certainly not a uniform day off. You could give your employees a day off, but 
your business had to be open seven days a week. Truett said, I can't do that. They said, well, you're, you're going to be without business locations if you don't agree. And so Truett launched out to have locations outside of malls, freestanding Chick-fil-A's, and he had to do it in a hurry. And at the last minute, the malls blinked. And if you go to a mall that has a Chick-fil-A in the food court, you'll see everybody else open and Chick-fil-A closed. I would say God has blessed Chick-fil-A, and I would also say that the mall in America is in a heap of trouble. Okay? Greed never pays. So that your male and female slaves may rest as you do. This is a holiday for everybody. God says so. Remember, you were a slave. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Verse 16, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and so that you may prosper in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is the first commandment with a promise, we're told in the New Testament. Do not murder. God is going to command his people to kill certain people. But that's not murder. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give dishonest testimony. Do not covet, verse 21. Do not covet your neighbor's wife or desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male or female slave, his ox or donkey. And I love this phrase. Or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. See, some of us are going through and it's like, okay, I can't have that, I can't have that, I can't have that. Oh, or anything else either. Okay? We, we thought maybe we were going to find an exception. Maybe it's okay to covet this thing. I know I can't covet that or that or that or that, but maybe I could covet this. No, no, you're not to covet anything. What does it mean to covet? It means to feel like, basically, it's another lust problem. He's already said we're not to steal, but he says you're not even to set your affection on. I've just got to have that. How can I get that? I've got to have that. I've got to have that farmer's land. Now, if it's for sale, you're not coveting, you're shopping. Okay? But if it's not for sale, but you just, every time I drive by there, I just feel like, boy, I, that ought to be my property. Uh-uh, not okay. And certainly, you don't do that with people. Okay? Again, it's a lust thing. You look at somebody and think, oh, I really want that person. Repent. Lust is a sin. Okay? And God forbids it. The Lord spoke these commands in a loud voice to your entire assembly from the fire cloud and total darkness on the mountain. He added nothing more. He wrote them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. And the people said, we don't want to listen anymore. Okay, we're willing to do what God says, but frankly, he terrifies us. Would you please listen to him and tell us what he said? Because we don't want to hear anymore. And God said, that's okay. It's not bad for them to be afraid. Please understand that. 
It is not bad for them to be afraid. Look at verse 29. If on, this is God speaking. If only they had such a heart to fear me and keep all my commands always, so that they and their children would prosper forever. God's saying, not, I want to intimidate them because I'm on an ego trip and I like scaring people. He says, you know, if their fear would cause them to obey, it would be a good thing because I want them to prosper. Amazing. Again, his commands are rooted in love. God doesn't tell us these things because he hates us. He tells us these things because he loves us. We were having a quiet conversation in our home the other day and talking with our 40-year-old son about what it was like growing up with me as dad. My wife was saying, I don't think I ever had to tell you to Paul, telling Paul, I don't think I ever had to tell you that you couldn't do that. And she said, of course, actually they were talking about conduct in church, just so you know. And she said, of course, you also had your dad standing there able to see what you were doing. <laughs> and I said, yes, and as we know, I have the ability to throw thunderbolt or lightning bolts from my eyes. Okay. Man, let me tell you, my dad didn't have to hit me in order to get me to behave. It's not that I was never spanked. I was spanked on occasion. But if dad wanted me to change what I was doing, all he had to do was look at me. You know what I'm talking about? Ever had one of those looks? And man, it was like... Now why? Well, because I was terrified of my father. No, I loved my dad. I remember one time in elementary school when I felt my father had punished me unjustly. And I went into the room after he was finished punishing me. I went back into my bedroom and a calendar he had given me was on the wall. It was something that he'd picked up at an Exxon station or something, back when it was SO. And so that's hanging on the wall. And because that in that moment kind of represented my dad, I went over there and I was about to tear it up. Because I was, I, I was really upset that he had punished me and it wasn't just in my eyes. Now, I was crying. But when I reached for the calendar to tear it up, all alone in that room, instead I took it and I kissed it. Because I loved my dad. And I knew he loved me. The book of Hebrews says that our earthly fathers disciplined us for a time as they deemed best. But God disciplines us for our good. God is never unjust, even when it might seem so to us. Our earthly parents may well have made a lot of mistakes. But God doesn't make any mistakes. And his law is for our good. And if we fear him in a healthy way, recognizing that it would be to our extreme detriment to do what God says we should not, that'll help us. When the symbol on the container says danger, that's there for your good. 
So, verse 32, be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You're not to turn aside to the right or the left. Follow the whole instruction the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live, prosper, and have a long life in the land you will possess. That's the purpose. He loves you. Satan says, no, he's trying to keep you from becoming like him. You won't die. Go ahead and eat the fruit. Satan's a liar. Trust God and obey him. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.